Hi everyone, Edna Kimball, Edna Sells, Century 21 Wright Real Estate, and welcome to today's podcast. Now today we are talking about investing, and today we have a special treat for you. One of my favorite young investors, really, really young investors is here to join us. This is Addison Allison. Hello. Addison, thank you for joining us today. Yes, thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself, starting with your age. Okay. She's still young enough, I can ask that, so yeah. I'm 23. Um, I've been a realtor for almost two years, and we just closed on our third investment property. Very good. But how many properties have you purchased? Four. The house we live in also. Okay, so a year and six months in the biz? Uh, no, almost. This end of this month will be two years. So. Okay, so 24, 23 months in the business, and you've done four transactions for yourself. Three. The first one we bought right before I became a realtor. Right oh, before I got my license. Okay. So. Okay. Well, I'll allow that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So tell us, um, how, first of all, how did you get into real estate? So um, my first kind of foot in the door, my grandfather passed away. So I was in charge of taking care of all of his things. And so selling his property was the first thing. Um, Listed it with another realtor at another company here in town. Didn't nothing happened on it, so I came to Edna. She sold it, um, and then Elisha and I kind of knew that we wanted to have investment properties eventually. And so I thought, well, I'll just get my real estate license. Like truly, that would help in that aspect. And then uh, it was during 2020, COVID hit, and we weren't really worried. It was just crazy. And I was like, well, how about I just go all in? And so yeah, that's how it happened. Okay. And just to be clear, when, when you you lost your grandfather, you were the ripe old age of... Yeah, he passed three days before I turned 18. So at 18, you became executor of his estate and had to make some hard decisions. Yeah, I was the administrator of his estate. Uh, the day I turned 18, they did that. And then, so I was still in my senior year of high school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I literally remember needing to wait till my client got out of school to discuss an offer. Yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of weird. So, um, but what I found at that time was that you were very detail oriented. She asked a ton of questions. And again, this is at the ripe old age of 18. She, she put me on the spot a couple of times with some questions. So is that just how you've always been as far as details and asking a lot of questions? Especially with that, because I was so scared of messing up. Like, it was just everything unknown, and I was so scared of not handling things correctly. And so I was not afraid to just be like, I don't know anything. I remember, with the, like I said, with the first time, nothing happened. And so when we went with Edna, we got an offer, and she said, she said, do you want a counter? And I was like, what does counter mean? <laughs> like, I didn't even know what that meant. And, and that was one thing I loved about her is she never made me feel stupid for not knowing things. And so that was that was huge for me because I, I felt like an idiot little kid. I was. Oh, <laughs> very bright, very bright 18-year-old. So now that you've been um, in the business, and I know that, that we're talking investment, but I really want them to understand the average realtor does... 12 deals um, a year. How many transactions have you completed 
in this 23 months? Do you have an idea? And I'm, we won't hold you to exact, but. Yeah, I think I'm at 105 right now. 105 transactions yeah. in a little less than two years. So that's phenomenal. That is phenomenal. So um, so the, these are all people that you knew and just were lined up with checks to sign. <laughs> <Yeah. or? laughs> so you actually had to go and learn the business, find the buyer, find the seller, and, and put the whole deal together. Yes, very much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, now on investing um, investment, you had mentioned that you kind of came into the business with that thought process in mind. Mm -hmm. But what did that really look like to you at, at as a new realtor? Were you thinking one deal in the next five years or? Yeah, definitely not expecting to move so quickly. Um, I, with our first home, we bought and we lived in it. And um, I... I just wanted to pay it off. I wanted to not owe anything. I had no one in my family had ever owned anything except my grandpa's property. And, and so that was just important to me to have something that was fully mine. And so we paid our first house off in 10 months. And then I was like, okay, Elisha, now we can go into all the debt you want to to buy investment properties. Good debt, good debt. So that's that's kind of what that started. Yeah. Okay. So as a first generation homeowner, what were some of the big surprises to you in the process of purchasing your first home? Because this was before you were a realtor. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, how easy it was. That sounds silly, but like not really knowing many homeowners, I just thought that it must be kind of out of range, you know, or some where you have to have a ton of money down. Or, and now that I'm in the business, I know even more and just how creative you can be in going about purchasing a home. Very good. So that that process went smooth. Mm -hmm. um, I want to back up because you said it just so cavalier, but you paid off your 30 year mortgage in in how long again? <laughs> 10 months. Okay, so she had a 30 year mortgage. Um, and it was not for five dollars. <laughs> no, but <laughs> right. And so, so basically, she went to a local bank, got a loan. The lender said, "Addison, we will give you this loan for the next thirty years, and we expect you to make this monthly payment every month. And then, at the end of the thirty years, you will own it free and clear." Right. Okay. Um, so you didn't put. 50,000 down or some huge astronomical amount. No, yeah, okay. yeah. We did a pretty standard down payment and, you know, we paid our own closing costs and everything. And then we just kind of, I think Dave Ramsey calls it the gazelle method. We just put everything towards that. And I wasn't making any money. I didn't have my first closing until December of that year and we purchased in May. So I was barely making any money. So we look back and just laugh and we're like, we don't know how we did that. But it was just our goal and it was our focus. And so that's what we did. We put all of our money towards it. A lot of Raymond noodles. Is yeah. <laughs> no, my husband's a personal trainer. We still <laughs> had to eat our fruits and veggies and make <laughs> those work. Healthy. <laughs> eat healthy. I love that. So, so the gazelle method through Dave Ramsey. And are there any tips that you would tell a seller who's wanting to pay off? Like a lot of people think you just send the money, but you have, there's a specific way you have to send the money. Yeah, so um, we, a specific way I'm not, 
I don't really remember. Okay, so when you do send extra money for your oh house, yes okay. yeah 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 so monthly wise you have to put on there that you want all of the extra to go to principal or they'll apply it to your interest which is not which beneficial does not make sense yeah do not so you have to tell them put this towards principal um, each time you're making a payment and yeah. Absolutely. And that's really the, the only secret is making sure yeah. that the lender applies the extra money, whether it's $5, $50, $500, or $5,000 toward your principal. And that is what reduces your debt. So that's mm -hmm. how she was able to pay it off in 10 months. And were you, uh, was it always the exact same amount each month? Was it on the same day of the month? Yeah. So all we did is divided our mortgage by... The total. Our goal was our goal was actually a year, and so we divided it by that. But then we found another home that we wanted, <laughs> so we just sped that up so we could do that. But yeah, so we just divided that by twelve, and that's how much we knew we were going to pay every month. And of course, it varies a little bit because you've got escrow and things like that, which we weren't even aware of. We were like, we've got money and <laughs> over there. Okay, great. They send us back some. So, but yeah, that's how we went about it. Okay, very good. So just make sure that you apply it to principal. And there are no hard rules on that. Um, but I do, I love the way they did it is to just dividing it by 12 and making that determination. However, what you can do is set an amount for the year that you want to prepay, so to speak. And you can do that at any time. It doesn't have to be when you make your monthly payment. It doesn't have to be on the same day of the month. It doesn't have to be Every single month, you can do it once a year, you can do it five times a year, or you can do it every month the way the Allisons did it. So if you are getting a bonus, you can actually pay that toward your principal. If you um, have sold an old vehicle and want to apply that, it, it, you can have a garage sale and apply that. So don't get too hung up on the exact same time. I love that because that works for, um, I happen to know her husband really well and the way his brain works, he wants to be very scheduled. So not a bad thing. Um, okay, so that is her first purchase. So you lived there as your principal residence. Yep. You got a standard 30-year loan. Mm -hmm. And then what made you decide to turn that into a rental? Um, we just found a house that we liked better um, and kind of so we upgraded and moved into a new home um, and then we didn't have really the funds to do like an Airbnb to you know to be able to furnish it and all of that and so we just decided to rent it out um, and we've been very blessed with our tenant it's been pretty smooth <laughs> okay and since we're talking about investment that's kind of a form of house hacking you buy a small home how long did you live there a year. Okay, a full year. Now, if you were going to sell as an investor, we all know that you would want to stay in that home for a minimum of two years before you sell it so that it's your principal residence and then you don't pay capital gains. In this scenario, I love when a young person does not sell that home, but they house hack and rent it out. Now, our market historically has been where you can break even and even have some cash flow. What we've seen over the last two to three years, though, is it's not some cash flow, it's phenomenal cash flow. Do you know, uh, without going into detailed numbers, are you making almost double what your house payment is on that property, or? Yeah, we're, yeah, pretty close to that, yeah. what our house payment was. Yeah, absolutely. And keep in mind, since she purchased it as her primary, 
Um, that's a little bit different than purchasing it as a as a uh, investment property. So it's a very smart way to get that process started. Um, so you you will put that home out there for a rental. Mm -hmm closed on the new home, moved into it, how long was the downtime between you moving out and you getting a tenant in there? Um, we had already, we already had a tenant um, kind of nailed in before we moved out. And so I think that the home, I, yeah, the home wasn't even vacant for a month before the transition happened. So. Yay, that means that she did not make two house payments. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. tenant was able to cover that, so mm -hmm. that's fantastic. And then now you've, um, so you've been a landlord for rental for a year. Yeah, a little okay. over a year. And it's been completely smooth, absolutely no repairs, no issues, no problems. Not quite, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And you wouldn't expect it to be. If you only want to get into investments and you're not willing to deal with issues or problems, then maybe being a landlord is not the best way to do it. So mm -hmm. what are some of the issues that have come up during that time frame? Um, let me see. She had, there was a storm. Oh yeah. A whole tree fell on the house. An entire tree. That was fun. So, um, yeah, we had to get a new roof and siding and all of that good stuff. Um, just and AC unit quit working. Yes. This happened just yesterday, I think. So how to get a new thermostat and yeah, there's, there is always something, but there's always someone to fix it. And so it, everything's fixable. Yeah, and, and the reason that's important is as an investor, we personally think everyone should get into investing in some form, but maybe being a landlord is not for you, and so there's other things that you can do. So we don't want to paint the picture that it's so easy and so profitable that everybody should do it. Um, you do have to have the right mindset. Um, I believe that there were... Um, you had to have the home sprayed one time because of spiders, yeah, you know. So there, there's always going to be some hiccups along the road, but everything is overcomable. Um, overcomable? Did I just make that word? Is that a word? I'm, I'm going to go with that. So. It's just, that's already my job every day in real estate is problem solving with my clients. And so when it comes to a tenant and they have an issue, okay, we're just going to fix it. And so for me, that fits right along with my everyday personality, whatever. Um, so maybe if that's not your personality, <laughs> may, um, don't do it. Yeah, yeah, hiring a property manager or something like that, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the other thing is this is the actual word is investment. So you have to maintain mm -hmm. and keep it up. And one of the challenges that I find with young investors, and, I, and when I say young, I mean new to investing, because I was not a young investor, I was just new to investing when I got started. Um, but we tend to want to make it the way we would want it if we were living there forever and ever. And that's not really the best way to handle the situation. You want it to be safe, sanitary, and secure, but you don't want to necessarily have um, marble countertops and high-end wood floors uh, because that may not be the most profitable way. Yeah, we wanted to redo the kitchen on that house because it had, you couldn't even tell, but it had two different countertops on the sides, but they looked so similar. And so I was talking to Edna about it. She was like, well, no, you've been living in it like that. It's fine. And I was like, 
I guess so. Like Absolutely. we didn't care to fix it for ourselves. So. Yeah, exactly. So it's finding that balance, and that is when you're flipping a home or you're putting a home on the market for um, for a potential tenant. Don't go crazy because if you can't cash flow, then you wouldn't have the money to take care of it when the tree fell or when the AC unit went out, those types of things. So finding that balance is super, super important. Yeah. So, okay, so now you have a rental unit. Mm -hmm. You are living in a much, she said new home, but it's not new. It, it was a rehabbed home to me. Yeah. that an yeah. investor did and it's gorgeous and, and fabulous, but it, it was not new. She just jumped in and, and grabbed it. Um, so now you own an investment property, you own a primary property. Mm -hmm. What came next? Then we bought um, a property right outside of town that we just finished remodeling and started Airbnb. So okay, so yeah. now now you have a full a long-term rental and a short-term rental, yep. which is Airbnb. And the Airbnb Super easy. You bought it the next day, had a tenant in it, and didn't have any downtime. No, there was a lot of downtime, a lot of repairs, a lot of money, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of. So I, I believe yeah. the term was we've got to stop the bleeding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we ran into just about everything you could in that house. Um, but yeah, it's a great location. <laughs> That's what we bought it for. Yes, and, and at the end of the day, an investment is, there is a risk. And so we want to be really, really clear on that. I, I brought Addison on because as a young investor and then just as a much younger person, what, what she's been willing to take on and tackle is just phenomenal. I love that she's basically fearless. But we do want to stress the fact that an investment property there, there are risks involved. The first one went so smooth, no downtime, no money loss, cash flow from day one. Yeah. The second one, there were some hiccups. Yeah, there were very expensive, unexpected things that needed to be done. Yeah. So, so just be cautious with that, but don't be so fearful that you can't move forward. So. And that, that's, for me, locate like. You can't buy, you can buy this house anywhere else, but you can't buy this location anywhere else. And so for me, it was still always worth it. And so that's just something to take into consideration when you're looking at those. Things. I love that. <laughs> I love that. So, so there's two major rules when it comes to real estate. One is the golden rule, which it's not, you're not supposed to wait to buy real estate. You're supposed to buy real estate and then wait. And so the um, adage here is that she bought a, a small older home on some large acreage in a wonderful location. And so the golden rule is buy and wait. Um, and then the number one rule is location, location, location. And so she jumped on and kind of did a combination of both of those. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And so um, as an Airbnb host, first off, how long have you officially been an Airbnb host? Um, maybe two, three weeks. Okay. Two weeks. Yeah. yeah. We've had two guests. Two so. guests. Yay. She's yeah. on her way to super host status. <laughs> yes, hopefully. <laughs> and so what are the some of the um, advantages of it being an Airbnb as opposed to the long-term rental? Um, I mean, the opportunity for cash flow is higher um, on a short-term rental for sure. And you kind of have more control um, 
of when people are going to be there, of course, things like that, which we always want someone there. So that's not really a thing for us. But, but yeah. No, okay. I don't and know if I figured it all out yet. <laughs> I'll tell you her favorite part was the, the decorating, right? Yes. I love that. She so. absolutely loved that. So, <laughs> and how did you do with the budget on that? Did you start off with a set budget on for furnishing it and decor, or did you just kind of go with the flow? We just kind of went with the flow. Yeah, we have our funds. We had okay. We know we have this much to spend there. Okay, so, so there we, was a budget. Yeah, there was a budget um, that we didn't even come close to. Thank goodness, but but not probably as tight of budget as we should have. Not line by line. Okay. No Excel sheet. I don't okay. think Elisha got an Excel sheet. That. <laughs> That's shocking. But it's probably because there were a lot of big ticket items that happened before you even got to the decor. And by the time you yeah. got ready to do the decor, you were like, just stop the bleeding, get it furnished, and get it. Yeah, yeah. On, yeah. On towels and sheets and all of that stuff, I think we did a really good job of just finding nice quality stuff. TJ Maxx, places like that all your decor, I mean. Okay, and so how does how do you even know what to purchase? Do you just go through your home and make a list of what they may need, or? Well, you gave me a pretty good list to start out with. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so. I totally stole it. <laughs> Bigger Pockets um, is a podcast that got me started. I have five currently, um, and two that we're working on right now to bring on. I absolutely love the Airbnb, the entire platform. Uh, Bigger Pockets, I took a, a shopping list off of that. I've added to it and tweaked it as I've helped other Airbnb hosts. So if that's something that anybody has an interest in, we'd be happy to share. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you enjoyed that process? Yes, I love to decorate. Okay, very good. And how are you finding the platform right now? as far as the Airbnb app itself? Do you, you think it's difficult, easy to use? I think so far it's been really easy to use. Um, even going in and making edits, cause like with photos I've had to do a lot of, cause we would finish this room and you know, then have to add. Yeah. But so yeah, I, it's been pretty easy for me. Um, and you like the, see to me, the photo process was the one thing that drove me crazy. Really? Yeah, but it's been a minute since I've done it. So maybe I need maybe to go back in. I think that's one of the things that I do love about Airbnb platform is I've been very fortunate to, um, I don't know, I feel like assist or help is too strong of a word, but to assist, encourage, encourage, encourage um, 22 different properties besides my own at becoming Airbnbs in our market. And and what, what I'm getting out of that, one, I love to see... Um, you know, the other person enjoy the process, but every single time I've assisted them or encouraged them, they have gone into the platform and found something that I was not aware of that I was able to then upgrade or do better. So I'm gonna check on those photos. Maybe yeah. that process has gotten better. So, okay, so now we have a long-term rental, uh, an upgraded full-term residential home, a short-term resident or i'm sorry a short-term rental yep what else and then we just bought a property <laughs> i've been saying a home is a stretch they advertise it as a bathhouse she advertised it as a bathhouse. bathhouse um it's like maybe a tiny home we're gonna tiny home at the lake um but again location i'm thinking was it's about that. 
250 square feet. 230. 200, I was so close. Yay, 230 square foot. That is a teeny, teeny, tiny. Teeny, teeny, I don't know that that's a term. So I've got it mapped out, though. I can, I can squeeze everything in there. <laughs> okay. And what on earth? would possess you to buy a 230 square foot home. Well, it's at the lake. You can walk to the water. You've got a lake view. It also did have a huge shop on it where people can bring their boats and all that good stuff. So location, again, won that one for sure. Okay, and so what are you gonna do with it? Long-term rental? Move short, into it? Short-term Airbnb. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. And do you have the name of that one picked out yet? Yes, our other one is a rock house, and so it's the giraffe house because the exterior, that's what they're called because they look like giraffe skin. And then this one we're going to call the fishbowl because it's little the and by the lake. It's about the size of a fishbowl. It is. It's, a, it's teeny tiny. And so would you say on being in the business and buying these, are you getting like incredibly crazy great deals and paying far less than market value and what they're listed at? So I'm a realtor. <laughs> so no, nobody as seller is just not going to negotiate with me. Um, so I accept that. I know that going into, you know, when I make an offer. Um, so, and guys, let me, let me explain what, what the reason I brought that up is a lot of investors choose to work with someone who doesn't own investment properties. And I think that's a little short-sighted. Choosing myself or, or Addison as your realtor is not a bad decision. And, and here's why. Neither of us have been able to purchase properties at a, at a reduced rate because we are licensed realtors and the seller immediately feels like they're being taken advantage of. So every investment property that I've purchased, I've paid list price or more, and I happen to know the exact same thing with Addison. And unfortunately, it rolls over to my children too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but she still purchases these properties, and that is, it's a long-term investment, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, okay, sorry, I interrupted her, but I no. wanted to point that out. And I find it odd when people will not use a local realtor who is an investor because they think that we're going to compete with them, and they hire someone who is not an investor. Now that you are an investor, you can see how many pitfalls and what issues could come up so do you think that you're more qualified to help the next investor? Yeah, yeah. And I, with two properties that I purchased, I sent to several of my clients and no one wanted it. So I was like, fine then. So I, I really do always try to sell it first. Absolutely. My husband, that's not his favorite thing, but like, <laughs> that's my job. So I always try to sell it first. And then I, if it's a good opportunity and I don't have a buyer, then I'll take it. Absolutely. Same here. Same here. So, um, and I think both of the investment properties that you purchased, well, not both investment properties, but for sure, one of the investment properties, um, I had tried to get several of you guys to buy, but that's okay. It, it worked for Addison and, and she was happy to pay. Well, I don't know if she was happy, but she we did it. pay full price. So, okay. Um, and so do you have a time frame for having the fishbowl on the market? Um, not yet. We just bought it like last week, right? So okay. we already have the driveway done. So we already did one thing off the list, but um, I would say probably about two months and we'll have that. Okay. 
Well, thank you so much. Um, Addison is on the sales team, which collaborates with Edna Sales. And fortunately, I get to be her mentor in all things real estate. Um, and again, this is a podcast regarding all things real estate. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we look forward to hearing your questions regarding investments. Thank you, Addison. Thank you. Bye, everyone. <laughs>